John McAfee was without a doubt one of the most controversial guests we've ever had on this show. We got to interview him six times prior to his death, and we wish he was still around for a seventh go-round. But in lieu of that, the next best thing would be to speak with someone who was with McAfee while he was on the run from the authorities. Alex Cody Foster is that guy. You may recognize him from the blockbuster Netflix special, Running with the Devil, The Wild World of John McAfee. Today, he discusses his time with John, the insane situations that he found himself in, and how he's documented it all in a brand new book. This episode has many Van Halen references in it, so you'll want to keep count of them on our episode number 654 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Ready to rock? Eh. Eh. Maybe. Eh. Maybe not. I was I was noticing you, and I noticed that. Uh, um, oh, I ate one too. And it, oh yeah, yeah. I nice. Yeah. Well, if you're ready to rock, we can be the metal metaverse metalheads. Oh, very nice. The metaverse metalheads. This one right here. I mean, seriously, it has a. Uh, about 5,150 different Van Halen references in this. <laughs> because running with the devil and we spontaneously. Or maybe I could have said there was 1,984. Could have been 1984. Oh, we never yeah. really mentioned the album. If you haven't seen the Netflix documentary, Running with the Devil, The Wild World of John McAfee, you got to go see it. It's an amazing watch. Um, then you're going to want to get his book, the memoir, The Man Who Hacked the World, which is all about um, John McAfee and, and basically being with him while the craziness was taking place. Lots of insight from the author on this particular show and, and a lot of fun to speak with him as well. He's a good guy. Humble dude. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And then if you haven't seen the documentary yet, listen to this and then go listen, go watch the documentary running with the devil. He's actually on the show talking about some interesting things, you know, and, and mentioning some stuff that you maybe have never heard before. Like while watching that documentary, they talked about John McAfee, you know, maybe even offing his very violent father. Like, what? I never heard that before. Like, there's some weird stuff going on. And uh, this this right here is, uh, this episode is one of those timeless ones. Yeah. So see if you can count the Van Halen references. And let's get to our talk with Alex Cody Foster. Sir Lord, have you seen the documentary on Netflix yet, Running with the Devil? Mm. You know, yes, I have, and I love Van Halen, right? So this is really exciting. We get to talk to the ghost writer who was writing for for, for David Lee Roth. Is that correct? Something like that? Did I that, see this? No, 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 no. It's it's Running with the Devil, the wild world of John ah, McAfee. I do love Ooh. that song. Maybe the very best intro song on a debut album ever. It, it is fantastic. You hear it uh, and immediately recognize, oh, there's Eddie. 
pulling the yeah. refs. Like this is something totally new. But you know that also, one that, well, just real quick, you know that one thing is that when they started out, the song goes when it starts out. They yeah. literally took a car horn and then they honked it and then they slowed it down to make that song, made that sound, which was pretty, which is iconic sound. So. But that has nothing to do with any of this except for the title. Of the there show. you go. Piece of uh, Van Halen trivia today. And uh, maybe our guest will bring some Van Halen trivia. I don't know. His name is Alex Cody Foster. He is the ghost writer on the uh, the book that is just coming out today, which the documentary you may have seen on Netflix is based on Running with the Devil, the Wild World of John McAfee. Alex, ACF, welcome to Bad Crypto. Thanks for having me, guys. Do, do you have any Van Halen? Actually, I do. It's, this is all kind of full circle for me here. Um, I almost ghost wrote a book for a guy who was best friends with Eddie Van Halen. Ha! Yeah. Nice. I can't give his name, obviously, but I didn't take him on. He's still in my email somewhere. It didn't happen, so I guess it's a non-story. Yeah. I, a that's, that's such a great band. Such Aside from that, such an interesting dude. John McAfee, such an interesting character. Like when you go back and and I believe the documentary starts somewhere with some of that footage from what 2012. Is that yep. is that where, where it starts kicking off? And then you're going for a little while, and then you're and then there's like a five year delay, and then you're going back into the story back in 2019. What a great time to come back in there. So what was your initial thoughts when you're like, hey, John McAfee wants you to write a book with him? Like how'd that go down? And so Travis, we're just gonna jump right in. Like I think we might as well. we're gonna may as well jump. I might, might as well let's go ahead and jump. Well. Yeah. I think yeah. I think we should try to insert as many Van Halen song titles <laughs> into this episode. Okay. And of course the conversation as possible. So yeah, Alex, <laughs> go ahead and, and talk about that. Jump in. I'm jumping. Mm -hmm. So John didn't actually want to hire me initially. I spoke with Jimmy Watson, his executive advisor at the time, because Jimmy. yeah, Jimmy. And he you know, I, I forget how we met, but we, we got linked up. I sent him an email and I told him that I was a ghostwriter and I was in the crypto industry and I'd worked with some of the founders in crypto. And I said, I would love to write John's story. In fact, I've, I'd wanted to write a story ever since I was 18 and 19 years old, living on the streets of Los Angeles. And I, uh, that was in 2012. And that's when John went on the run in Belize. And I saw that story when I was living on the streets. It was a Wired article by Joshua, Josh Davis, and I said, fuck, I'd love to write that guy's book someday. And this is before I was a writer. So fast forward, you know, I was 25, and I, I wrote to Jimmy, and he said, you know, you sound like the perfect guy to do this. But every time I bring it up to Boss, Boss says, fuck that, Jimmy. I will never write another book. I will never speak to a writer because I hate them. And he said, if you keep bringing this shit up, I'm going to fire you. And Jimmy was like, ah. man. Yeah, he said, man, I don't know, Alex, I don't know if he's being serious or what, but I don't think I can bring this up, but, you know, I'm going to do it strategic, strategically, all right? And I said, fine, that's great. Uh, a few months later, I got a call in the morning, 5.30 in the morning. I guess John had seen a video of when I was homeless on the streets of L.A., and he knew I had seen some shit, and that's what attracted him to me. And so I got a call at 5.30 in the morning, and I was profiled in the Netflix documentary, but what's not in that film is the deciding factor was – he said, all right, son, do you drink? I said, yeah, I mean, water, coffee, <laughs> booze. I don't like milk. I mean, we're the only animal that drinks milk from uh -huh. another 
species. True. So that's it's weird like, to I me. love to eat. Pancakes, yeah, yeah. Delicious. I like I like food too. And he's like, no, 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 no. Do you drink booze, sir? Do you drink booze? I said, sure. And he said, what do you drink? I was like, uh, red wine. You know, I like Monte Pucciano. I like, uh, you know, scotch. I like bourbon. And he's, he's like, he shut me up and he said, all right, I'll see you. T- I'll see you Tuesday. And that was like a day later that I was supposed to arrive. And John did this all the time with people. It was all or nothing. You know, you, you either arrive in 24 hours, which meant that I had to pretty much get on a plane that night because of where he was located in the U.S. or uh, don't arrive at all. And so that's how it got kicked off. Wow. So you're like, if I show up, then you really got me. I'm going to be your I'm going to be your ghostwriter. It felt that way. But actually what happened was I showed up and I was put under this sort of rigorous social experiment, which if I failed, he was going to can my ass immediately. So I didn't really have the job until I passed the right. test. I didn't and what know. year was this? When did you when did you join with them originally? Back in 2012 or was it 2019? 2018. So 2018. He, he had done his whole on the run thing in 2012. He came back to America and then he he pretty much went on the run for a couple of years. He lived in Oregon. Um, he lived in Tennessee. He was in Tennessee when I met him. So how long did it take for him to warm up? to you you know from to feel comfortable like okay um i can i can hang with this guy i can party with this dude i'm gonna surround myself with some beautiful girls and with uh, alex cody foster song reference (laughs) i think that was the second trip that i took with him when we actually went on the run allegedly from the sinaloa cartel who were after him because he bugged their he bugged them and hacked them back in 2012 that's in the book it's not really in the film but he he saw that I wasn't afraid. You know, I had lost my mind back in 2012 when I was living on the streets. I got it back a couple of years later. And when I got it back, I was a totally different person. And I became a writer. And ever since then, for some weird reason, I bet in a pathological sense, a therapist would have a field day with me. But I don't really feel fear. You know what I mean? I don't feel excitement either. Like everybody's hitting me up today. Like, oh my God, your, your first book under your name came out. You know, I've got a bunch of published books, not under my name, but the first one with my name. And it just so happens to be about my life and about my time with John. But I don't feel excitement. I feel grateful. And I think that weird pathology that I have and the just the fact that I was always a black sheep and I was sort of misunderstood and I lost my mind like he did. He, he said he lost it for a lot longer than I did. It, when he realized that was a thing with me, we were in that four car motorcade speeding across America on the run, that's when he really started spilling his secrets. And that's when he didn't see me as an equal, but he saw me the first time. I want to, I want to talk about, you know, you mentioned that you were homeless there for a while, living out on the summer streets. And I want to ask about that. Like, how did that sort of prepare you to become a ghostwriter? And like, and you were in the, so you got your life together and you said that was a crazy time. Here I am. I'm going to start write, I'm going to start writing some books about other people and ghostwrite for them. How how did that even transcribe? That's a great question, man. I mean, to be honest, I guess I've been ghostwriting pretty much my whole life. It was back in seventh grade that I started writing book reports for my brother who was in high school, and I did that until he left high school. He didn't graduate, but he just he just left, and I did that the whole time for him. And you know, I read all of his high school books. So by, by the time I got to high school, I'd already read all the material and I started doing it for college kids while I was in high school for money and for beer and like weed because I used to smoke weed back in the day. But am I allowed to talk about drugs? 
you know, I used to smoke drugs, and then I still do. So I, I think a shout right, out cool. to Mitch Hedberg. All right, thank you. Not only are you allowed to talk about drugs, but the first time we interviewed John uh, in 2017 for episode number 100, badco.in forward slash 100, if anybody wants to listen to it, we were on video with him, and he was wrapping his arm about to shoot up. Oh, shit. On on screen. We're, like, watching, going, what in the world? It was was one of those, like, oh, because he literally is putting the tourniquet on his arm, and he's, like, squeezing it, He's getting, and he's, like, pumping it up, getting ready. And then I think he realizes, like, well, I'm on video. And then I don't, he didn't actually do it, but he did put the tourniquet on. And I don't know if that was just shock value, right? Or we were going to see him dancing in the streets. It was going to be a wild show either way. It was going to be the latter, to be honest with John. That's, yeah, he did that. Um, that you said that was episode 100? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What year was this? Yeah. Uh, 2017, I think, or early 18. So it was, he did 100, 200. 200 in what was it, like 86 yeah we thought he was going to be arrested or or uh epstein <laughs> yeah. yeah so we're like oh we're not going to wait till 300 we're going to have him on and <laughs> he did virtual blockchain week and and there was uh, one other and we've had uh, more recently we've had janice on yep. the show um if, if it was 2018 it's kind of funny i was the one that got him on that show with you travis i hit you up and i set it up via email it's kind of a small world but, it is a small world, so we're yeah. very grateful. Here we are, full circle, like crazy, right here. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to pull that up right here, and you can see that uh, badco.in forward slash 100 is March 20th, 2018. So we probably interviewed him just a few days before um, for this episode. Oh and, yeah, man, it was, it was, it was. There's yeah, there's a picture. It was. Crazy. He was totally unchained. It was oh crazy. My God. Right? He, he was when he, rough. When, when he was rough, dude. He was going to do heroin. Like in the interview, I, I to this day, and then Joel's like, "Dude, we got to edit that out." I was like, "No, dude, that's gonna be the coolest <laughs> thing that you see." John McAfee's doing, <laughs> like, I think we did edit it out just because it was like this was not PG or whatever. But I was like, "Dude, that was crazy." That's pure John, right there. But to answer your question, uh, sorry, I don't, I don't think I did to round it out. I, you know, after ghostwriting, you know, grammar school, and then in high school, and I. I hitchhiked across America and I became homeless on the streets of LA, ran out of money, came from a poor family. No one could bail me out. So I was just mm. living on the streets and I decided I want to tell a story of all these people who lived on the streets. There are 51,340 homeless people I, I read. Mm. In LA I read County. it was 5150. 5150 was what I thought was the number. Uh, who's your source? <laughs> I'd be wrong. Uh, Van, Halen's, uh, song, Van Halen's song lists. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh never mind that's that's reputable we'll stick with that one <laughs> you missed oh, your shit. so i want to talk i want to talk about his mental health right because sure. like you can see here he is doing copious amounts of drugs doing a ridiculous amount of you know alcohol and then he all of his girls around he's like i ain't talking about love but let's get together and let's have a nice crazy time like what what was the craziest thing that you saw that you can talk about Shit, that's part of a top 10 list, really. Let me think. Can I just go through the list? Go through the list. We love that. He's saying you really got me with that question there, Trev. That's what he did say. Change the the, uh, the visual so he's in the middle, and we can turn this one into a fancy little social media. Oh, look at that. So fancy. He's got a top 10. Sandwich me here. Um, Top 10. Well, I might not get the Craziest shit you saw from John McAfee (laughs) in the two plus three years that you were working with him. Okay. One, probably when we were on the run from the Sinaloa cartel, I didn't believe him. He just had, he 
interrogated a girl and made her cry in a McDonald's parking lot. Was her name she, Jamie? Actually, she, her Jamie name crying? her name was Lizzie Borden, which didn't actually no, help her situation. John that's had right. a field day with that. He was like, oh, so you're the famous axe murderer, huh? Lizzie Borden, oh, is that yeah. your, if that's even your real name? And she All was right. like, yeah, I'm the one. It was it was yeah. actually really sad, though. I mean, he made the poor girl cry because he he and the security yeah. guys were grilling her, thinking she was a spy. Oh, you know? well. Here's the eruption. Here you go, John, going off on the girl, making her cry. That's horrible. So, okay, so there's number that. Two. Uh, number two, <laughs> allegedly, I spoke to the head of the Sinaloa cartel in Central America. Sinaloa cartel. What is the Sinaloa cartel, for those who don't know? They're the most feared, most dangerous cartel, drug cartel in the world. And, mm. you know, the head of it, I don't know if he's still the head, uh, Joaquin El Chapo Guzman. El Chapo? Um, yeah, El Chapo. We're going to get him on the show sometime and chat with him about the crypto space and be like, hey, El Chapo, I got some Chapo stick. Right <laughs> oh, well, like I said in the film, if there's one thing I know, you don't fuck with the cartel. And that's why I played it pretty safe in this book, you know, without naming names. But yeah, that was a weird time talking to the head of the cartel in Central America. The guy was um, supposedly connected to El Chapo himself um, because I didn't believe John. So John got him on the phone. He said, tell him your name. And he told me his name and I looked him up. I had the phone in front of me and yeah, all these news articles, there's like a kingpin indictment against them and crazy shit. Wait, um, El Chapo? He got El Chapo on the phone? No, the other guy. Oh, underdog. the other guy. How's that dude look? Wait, hold on. I'm going to text El Chapo real quick. Like, what the hell? He was in prison. I mean, he probably had access to a cell phone if he could burrow under the prison. Um, okay. Uh, no, number three, right now. Number three was being kidnapped in Barcelona. That's not in the movie. Um, against my will, we were kidnapped by these, I, who I think was the Eastern European mob or something. It was a very sketchy situation. It's sort of a long story, but to sum it up, I was in this motorcade, a bunch of guys with guns driving to an undisclosed location, supposedly a villa in Barcelona, but they took me an hour outside of Barcelona. And I kept did saying they put, the whole... Put a bag over your head, burlap bag? They didn't. I, I expected them to, but they didn't. They told You're like, me... like, hey, where, where's, hey, guys, where's the bag? Aren't you going to bag me? <laughs> we're the refreshment. We're yeah. the refreshment. I was like, I thought we were going to have a Sunday afternoon in the park, and all of a sudden we're getting, we're getting arrested. We're getting accosted by the uh, Eastern European mob. Like, you don't want them after you. You don't want El Chapo after you. Like, he's pissing off everybody. You don't want the government after you. John McAfee pissed off everyone. He did. He made. He had a lot of friends, too, though. We can't forget that. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of friends. Well, he, a- he was very loved for his his honesty, right? Uh, mm-hmm. For, you know, be, being authentic, who he was, and in uh, standing up for crypto and decentralization and against the, the, uh, the systems I mean, he was a rebel's rebel. I mean, the dude, the dude spit blood and fire every time he talked. And it was just like he, so it, that drew a lot of people to him. And that's why I was drawn to him initially. But when I uncovered some of the darker elements of John's psyche and history, it just put me off. You know, there's certain things. I'm a, I'm an open-minded guy. I've worked with, I've worked with, um, I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, actually I am allowed to say my, my name's going to be on the cover. You know, I've worked with drug kingpins before. I currently am working with one. I've worked with liars, thieves, murderers. I've worked with, you know, Ross Ulbrich, who created Silk Road. I've worked with really wonderful, good people, too. They're not all bad. But 
I like to reserve judgment. And that's one thing that has aided me as a ghostwriter is when I lost my mind, it kind of shattered my ego. And to be a great mm. ghostwriter, you got to set your own bullshit aside. You got to set your ego, leave it at the door so that you can get mm. in the shoes of this person and tell their story through their eyes, you know? And I had to do that. And I did that very effectively with John. But there are a few lines you don't cross with me. Um, he crossed a those? couple of them. What one are those of, lines? One of them is do not. Tell, tell me. I'll wait. Do not murder innocent people. And don't rape people. And throughout my time with John, I had reason to believe that he had done both. Mm. Mm. So do you do you feel like uh, he was responsible for the neighbor? Yeah, for sure. In fact, yeah. uh, it's towards the end of my book. I haven't actually talked about it publicly, but oh, this is a this is a premiere right here, gang. First yeah. time. All I'll say, all I really am allowed to say at this point is that someone reached out to me after the Netflix film dropped. Actually, it was the very next morning the Netflix film dropped and there was a guy who's worked with John in Belize and he said, Hey, I was there that night. I know exactly what happened and I can tell you the full story. I've never told anybody. Wow. And he said, can I get on, can I get you on the call on a call? And I said, yes. And I talked to him for an hour and 45 minutes, record the conversation. And I discuss uh, the details of that conversation towards the end of this book. Okay, well, clearly we're going to tell everybody to go get the book, but I'm going to ask you for that one story right here as the teaser because it's going to be the thing that everybody's going to be like, oh, I got to read the rest of what he's got to say. Mm-hmm. And I'm I actually did... surprised, Joel. I'm surprised that after Belize, when he was on the run, like he didn't end up going to Panama or something. Ah, uh, you're the one, you son of a bitch. You got it in. I was going to get that. Uh, why you got to be a son of a bitch? Yeah. I'm the one. I don't know. I don't know. Stay frosty, Travis. Okay, I'm trying. So, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, go go ahead. Talk, Alex. You want the answer? Me. So it's sort of a yeah. long story. I'm going to have to give you the short version. Yeah, abridge it for us. Sure. Essentially, this guy was there. John admitted to him what had happened because, you know, John's dogs were poisoned. So this man went with John. No, sorry. John was with the girls and stuff. He used to spend on average, like two hours, one to two hours a night with each girl in their various rooms on the property. That's what the guy said. And yeah, daddy. Yeah. No, big time. And so at some point. Good Lord, how much stamina can you? Like, all right, I'm going to spend an hour with you, and then I'm going to come over here and tap that sauce. ass. I mean, that's He was salt, like, man. she's the woman. Then he was like, mm, you know, I think I'm hot <laughs> for teacher. And he was talking about love. I'm going to. Because everybody wants some. Everybody yeah, wants some phase. of your John McAfee, for sure. He had a librarian phase too. That was a funny story. So he, he, um, his dogs were poisoned. He was really pissed, obviously. It wouldn't be. And anyway, my guy, he said that he saw tracks in the sand and, and they led to Gregory Falls' house. He followed wow. the tracks in the sand from where all the dogs were poisoned and vomiting blood and dying. And he followed them all the way to Greg's house. And he told John, hey, look, um, I'm not saying he did it, but. I found the tracks leading right to his house. And it's around wow. the same time the prints are still fresh, you know, because the, the waves had receded. So the sand was wet. You could tell that the prints were fresh, which indicated that it was in the same time frame. And therefore John was pissed. You know, John thought it was Greg fall who did it. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, you went um, vigilante on their ass right there. What was the deal of, around the, what was the deal about Greg falls parrot? Cause, cause he had a parrot. Yeah, then, or so, it's something that he did. That dog did that die? Did the dog kill the parrot or something? I don't remember. 
I didn't really hear much about the parrot except that one of the dogs freaked out and tried to get at it and it upset Greg because, you know, that was his best friend right there on his shoulder. So he's like, what the fuck, man? Get out of here. He was a true pirate there hanging out in Belize with his parrot and stuff. I I guess so. I don't really know what happened to the parrot. That's a good question. But so the end of that story is that John was always with the girls every night, every night that the guy worked with John. was like about a month at this point. He was working with him. And the night of Gregory Falls' murder, he wasn't there. John was completely unaccounted for, which was strange. And anyway, he got on the phone with a guy. He got on the phone with a guy before John, I'm sorry, before Greg was murdered that morning. He said, I don't fucking care where you are. You get on like Tropicana Air and you get your ass here right now, right fucking now. And he hung up. And, you know, the next day, um, the next day, Eddie McCoy shows up and my guy's introduced to him, says hello. And, and anyway, he, my guy said that the next morning after Gregory Fall was murdered, he saw this commotion and John was playing in the pool with Samantha and like laughing and just like throwing a, you know, beach ball or something, having a grand old time while all this crazy commotion was going on next door. And my guy went over to him and he said, Hey, John, I think uh, something happened to that guy, Greg, you know, and, and John kind of like lowered his head and he was like, yeah, and he was just supposed to scare him. He wasn't supposed to shoot him. And, you know, my guy went wide eyed. He's like, I'm going to go to my room now. So he went to his room. Wow. Eventually he got arrested along with some of the other members of the household. John went on the run, et cetera. And uh, I think his name is Kashem told my guy that not only had John ordered the hit, but he had also ordered the hit on an unnamed American expat in the South of Belize. So it was yet another guy who John had killed. And then there's David Middleton. There is in my book profile that John admitted to me, there's a white lobster guy, white lobsters, cocaine that washes up on shore um, because that's how they do some of their drug runs. They, they tie them to buoys, kilos and kilos upon cocaine if they get dislodged, wow. they wash up on shore and villagers or something take anything, then they're dead. And some white lobster guy thought John had stolen his cocaine, which is oxymoronic because John was a millionaire and had all the cocaine he could want. Um, so John had to have him killed as well. And then <laughs> My God, how, how many people do you think uh, reached, met their maker as a result of John McAfee? Um, if, if everything told to me is true, it would be five. And that is if John did, in fact, kill his father, which was told to me. I'm not going to say that I, I proved that. I didn't. But it was told to me in confidence. And so that would be five people altogether. Get around and, John and you're like, somebody get me a doctor. Like, uh, and you so you really got me here on this one. I'm, I'm a little I'm a little shooken up. So, I, so well, I guess technically six because he offed himself. Right. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Which Allegedly. leads to a great question. Uh, you know, we had Janice on the show. I asked so many questions, actually, because Janice was hardly in the documentary. And I learned about, you know, this this other woman, uh, Samantha Herrera, that mm-hmm. he was hanging out with and that you were along with. And like, so. All right. First question, then, is about the girls. In fact, I'm going to share for those who are watching the video. This is the uh, the article that I pulled up here on uh, primetimer.com Netflix John McAfee doc filmmakers accused of questionable tactics because in the film Samantha and you could see on the video for those of you who are watching uh, which shows his uh, one of his girlfriends uh, at the end of it 
she says she got a call from Texas from uh, saying that from John and saying that he was still alive. This was after he was allegedly. Ah. Um, and, but I guess she said this was taken out of context. So first question is about that. Um, and then your opinion, because Janice says they've not seen the body yet. Is there a chance that he's still alive and just in hiding? So about that, I'm not really sure how you can take that quote out of context. When you ask someone explicitly, do you think he's still alive? And then she says explicitly, I received a call weeks after his death. I mean, the context is already there. The context came out of her own mouth. So I'm really not sure what the argument is there. Well, well what she said is uh, here, I got a call from Texas from someone saying it was John who said he was still alive. Okay, I could see that. I, I would told have the filmmakers that I didn't know if it was him or someone posing as him. I said that on the film, but it wasn't used. So, so he got a call from someone in Texas, not a call from John. Claiming they were John. And I'm thinking, you know what? You would know his voice. Right. How would you not know? If, and he wouldn't if, be if, in if Texas. Him. He wouldn't be in Texas. Would he? No, no, of course not. He would, he would not go back to America, the one place that he was worried about getting extradited to. Mm-hmm. He would be in the Far East somewhere living like a king. There's no but the body has not been turned over yet. Well, I'll tell uh, you. Says, yeah, what's going on here? I'll give you some more context there. And, you know, if she had any doubts whatsoever, I don't think I would have brought it up myself. In the weeks after John died, I got a Telegram notification. And it said, John McVie has joined Telegram. And I thought, what the fuck? Like, you know, I saw I still that. Had, that was so weird. Yeah, because I still had John's number. And I wrote to the guy, woman, whomever, and I said, Hey, you know, you're using a dead guy's phone right now. Who are you? And he read the message, right. didn't respond. I think it was a few hours later, the, the account was deleted. So I thought maybe that was Janice who had the, the phone. Maybe it was the feds. Uh, maybe it was John. I don't know. And I'll never know. And I'm okay with not knowing. So, so but, you don't know. You don't have feelings. Maybe he's dead. Maybe he's not. I have feelings. Yeah, I believe he's dead for sure. You, you, know? you do? Yeah, I mean, he died. Hours after it was announced that he was going to be extradited to America, where he was facing serious charges. And given what he knew, at least what he told me that he knew, he probably could have started singing like a bird and gotten a commuted sentence. And maybe certain people were afraid that he was going to do that. So they had to. But allegedly, there was a dead man switch anyway, that all this information that, you know, his team has all this and, and what's been released. So. Was that all bogus? He didn't have anything? We talked about his dead man switch a few times. In fact, it's in the book, too. And he mentioned, I asked him, you know, after he told me some crazy things, like he had built a back door in his software to spy on everyone. I asked him, John, why don't you release this information? He said, because if I do, I'm a dead man. But when I die. Because I'm DOA, baby. Yeah. Yeah. He said, but when I do die, whether it's by accident or it's natural causes or it's not an accident, he said this information will be released, Alex. He told me it was in the, it was in law offices, like five different law offices all around the world with trusted lawyers who were, you know, going to bring that material forward. And he said it was with other people as well. And he didn't tell me who, but, you know, I, we talked about it at one point and he did mention, you know, I said to them, why are you afraid? You know, these people are going to kill you. And he said, well, Alex, what if there's this tactical operation and everybody you know, hits my dead man switches, my locations at once. They take them, they get the word out. They say, yep, 15 minutes, 
we got all of them. Let's take them out and then kill me. He said, I won't know what the fuck is going on. I won't know. It, it won't be, you know, no, nobody's going to let me know if they get all of them at mm. once. If they take them all out at once, then I'm a dead man. Wow. Gotta watch out. You got to watch out for that mean street. I tell you what, you know, watching this thing. And, and again, as Jules said, you got to watch this documentary. The book just came out today and the documentary, what, about, a, about an hour and a half or so. Um, take, take a look at it. Watch it and, and tap into what's going on. Because John McAfee was on a wild ride, folks. He was on a wild ride. Here's the book, by the way. The book is titled Different, The Man Who Hacked the World, A Ghostwriter's Descent into Madness with John McAfee. Mm. Date, November 15th, 2022. I don't know who else has bought it, but I'm going to go ahead and support Right now, um, you guys don't need to see my password and login <laughs> and stuff, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, pick up a copy here and have it shipped to Puerto Rico because it sounds like an amazing read. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. Maybe really? maybe I'm number one. Uh, who bought I it? Think you're, I, I don't well, know. You are an atomic punk. I'll say that. It's been on pre-sale for a couple months, and I guess it's in the top 5% of sales or something that they've ever had. Wow. And just on doesn't pre-sale. surprise me. It yeah. doesn't surprise me. I mean, it's, it's that they've it's, ever had. Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. in the history of the publisher. So I guess it's selling. Nicely done, brother. I guess so. I don't know. We'll see Why if it not? sucks. Maybe it does. Who knows? Why I don't know. Uh, I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it doesn't. Anything else you'd like folks to know about John McAfee and this crazy journey you were on? Shit, I don't know. That's a that's a big question. Um. We like big sure. questions here, the Bad Crypto Podcast, because we're human beings. Humans being. Isn't that the title? Humans yeah, humans being. being. Yeah, humans being. <laughs> How many have we covered? We've got at least 20 references. I don't know. Somebody here. out there is counting. Maybe we'll <laughs> an, an You guys need like a ticker every time the reference yeah. is made. <laughs> oh, With like man. Eddie Van Halen's <laughs> face popping up, you know, like rocking yeah. out. You should do that. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jumping stage, swinging across yeah. in Panama. Yeah. Well, oh, you, man. yeah, I, I can answer that question with a hopefully half decent answer. So John is one of those rare people in the world who is unquantifiable. You can't ever solve the mystery of John. I spent 430 pages trying to do so. And I spent six months with him and had more time with him than any other writer representative of the media. And I still barely scratched the surface because he is so enigmatic. Sorry, was, was so brilliant, was so disturbed. And, you know, he's, he's probably going to be an enduring mystery. And I think that's why people, you know, have flocked to the film and why people are buying the book because they love mysteries. And uh, you got one here with John. Got that, one is, here that is for John. sure. So uh, when we had Janice, you know, we've assumed that Janice is his wife. Did Now, I don't know if legally, at least, you know, by the state, if that's true or not. Uh, but I did not realize that he had this other girlfriend. And like, what were the dynamics of that? Were they there at the same time? Or was there a crossover where he was no longer with Samantha and he was with Janice? So that was before my time. But I know the story. And this was 2012. John was with, you know, five or six younger girls at that period of time. And he went to Miami and he was at the News Cafe. And he met Janice. He was on top of the world, man. Four or five women at the same time. Mm-hmm. Nice. He, he was having a ball, but he met Janice and he, he, I don't know if you would call it love, but they had something that I've never like, really why can't seen. Why can't this be before. love? I, I want to love all five at the same time. I, you yeah. know what? God bless you, John McAfee. He saw her. He was like, oh, pretty woman. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to understand 
and this relates to the question earlier about Sam is he had promised Sam the world. He promised her uncle, he was going to marry her. He promised her, he was going to marry her. She came from like a, you know, from poverty, right? She, she Uh wanted a life and a future with him. And then he met Janice and he threw it all away. He didn't ever go back to Sam. And so that's what happened. And I think it's partly why she brought that up in the movie is she wanted to hold on to some last little piece of John that she had, even if it was fabricated, you know, mm. maybe it was like a slight, a slight to Janice, you know, like he called me, not you, you know, like he, right. he called me saying he wanted to run away with me. But, mm. you know, in my opinion, John left a lot of people. He abandoned a lot of people. He actually did hurt a lot of people and she was one of them, you know, mm. left a lot of people wanting him to finish what he started. And he yep. is not doing that. Wow. Yeah. I, tell you, I tell you what, it's a wild, wild, wild story. And now you got a book coming out today, and you can learn a little bit more about that. I would say bottoms up, brother. Yeah. If you haven't seen the documentary yet, go to Netflix and watch Running with the Devil. It's an amazing documentary. You can see Alex's website at alexfosterghostwriter.com. And then uh, the book, The Man Who Hacked the World. See, there's the proof. You purchased a hardcover <laughs> format of this today. Nice. A Ghostwriter's Descent into Madness with John McAfee. And uh, just a, a quick note here that as a ghostwriter for many years, you have a course, ghostwritinguniversity.com. If you want to find out how to get paid to write words and do stuff, uh, Alex has got that here as well. So recommend you guys go check it out. There is definitely big business in writing for other people. Uh, I should know because I've used ghostwriters multiple times for uh, for my words as well. Uh, you know, you can you can take your the concepts from the subject of the book and have somebody who's more disciplined and better at paragraphs and punctuation put it all together for you. Uh, weave a narrative. And uh, at least on my books, I always go in and make sure, yep, I would say it like that or no, that's, I didn't, I wouldn't mean that. I would never say that this is what I said, make sure that it's accurate, but um, Mm -hmm. it it saves a lot of time, especially if, you know, I can, I can pound out um, an article in no time, sit me down at my laptop and you want a thousand words on whatever the topic is. I'm like, but tell me I got to write 50,000 words. And I just like, I want to shoot myself. I just, you know, I want, well, that's why you were talking it. about it. Yeah. You were talking about recording your voice, interviewing with mm-hmm. a person that's they're actually your words. Like you transcribe your words, here are my words, put them together coherently. And then I'll go back. That's the smart way to do it. I actually, when I wrote my book, I used, uh, I used Google docs and, and spoke my book in, and then it translated it really easily. And then I went back in and edited it. I learned that from Alex Mendozian, uh, internet marketer, many years ago. He called it writing at the speed of sound, where you dictate your book and then transcribe and and then work through it. So, um, Alex, what would you say to uh, aspiring ghostwriters out there? It's the best kept secret of the literary industry. You know, 80% of nonfiction books are written by people like me and it's an amazing job. It doesn't really feel like a job. You know, you travel the world, you meet fascinating people, you make really good money. If you're great at what you do, make a quarter million a year, half a million a year. You know, I I just partnered with James Patterson's co-author and we're going to start spearheading a new fiction series and try to emulate James Patterson's writing empire. Dude, he's amazing. He's amazing. I read the John Lennon 
book that basically that went in that whole process of John Lennon and then parallel universe was Mark David Chapman. And it talked about how John Lennon was going through the Beatles and all this stuff. And then at the same time, it'd be like a foof. And then here's Mark David Chapman. And then they, they collided on the street of it. Dude, it was, it was one of the best books that I've sort of read as a nonfiction, sort of a real story about a sad topic because I wish John Lennon would have been around these last 40 years. Also, I wish Jimi Hendrix would have been around too. Everybody else can die, but those two are really good. Uh, Shit, I didn't wow. even know about that book. I got to check it out. That's cold. That's good. That's a, everybody else can die. You li- What do you live on Mean Street, Trav, or something? I do. Everybody's going to die eventually, Joel. I don't know if you know that, but eventually nobody makes it off of this rock life. That hey, Alex, is that is true. I want to say thank you. This interview was not great, but it was good enough. <laughs> good. As long as it wasn't bad. Yeah. <laughs> In the name, so I, I figured it would be, but no, uh, and it's Alex, great. I just want to say pound cake. I will eat some. I didn't even count the number of Van Halen references. There's a lot. Maybe you guys can uh, write us, badcryptopodcast at gmail.com, and let us know how many songs we reference. Feel free to list them all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or tweet us. I think that that there's at least there's at least 20, there's 25. Still at least 20. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. We, we, we pulled them Some out. Some of them you probably don't even, even, they might not have said because we were pretty smooth on how we, we said them. Others was obvious that we were dropping a reference, but uh, that's just the way it is. Who was, who you was this better? this podcast as is. David Lee Roth or Sammy Hagar? Oh, you know, I think both of them have their, their place. Pick one. In, you have to pick Bay one. Well, it would always be David Lee Roth of because course. Van Halen wasn't Van Halen until... I mean, David Lee Roth was there, and like those yeah. first seven albums were amazing. Yeah, and they dropped or six albums or whatever it is, they just dropped them. Boom, boom, boom. 78, 79, 80, 81, 82, 83. Like almost every year they dropped one, which is weird. They were never number one uh, until 1984, or they was almost number one in 1984. They didn't quite because of like Michael Jackson or something. But uh, then, then Van Hagar happens, and then he, they get a bunch of number ones. I think that's just a result of all the hard work they put in. Now I do yeah. think that that Dave got his big ego in, in place and he was, he was having a lot of fun making these videos. And he says, you know what? I want to go do my own thing and be Hollywood Dave and, and, and do all these videos. And, uh, and then he just had a really big ego and I could see why they kicked him out. Cause his head was huge. Even whenever they brought him back after they let um, Hagar go and he came back for a tour and he, he goes, this is my night. Hey, it's all about me. And they're like, no, dude, it's not. And they kicked him out again, and they got Gary Cherone. And then finally they brought him back after Dave. His, his ego re- was released a bit. But, dude, best showman, one of the best, if not the best showman in rock and roll, David Lee Roth. Now, I do think that um, Mick Jagger, amazing, probably the best. But holy shit, like Van Halen's uh, as a lead guy. Whew. Yeah, I think Sammy was a suitable replacement. But Van Hagar was not better than the original uh, Van Halen. They maybe sold more albums then during that time or had higher ratings. But overall, um, David Lee Roth is a spectacular. So as long as we were talking about John McAfee, we still have in the Bad Crypto Nifty Club some of these exclusive classic clips 
from our first interview with John McAfee. There's only seven or five of each of these, and you can own a classic clip. John speaking on the threat of artificial intelligence. These are video oh. clips. Cell phone okay. security, the magic of Bitcoin, million dollar Bitcoin. If you go to badcrypto.uncut.fm, you need to own the, uh, the bad crypto membership. Uh, in order to have access to these, oops, and I'm showing our show notes right there. That's a little behind the scenes. Uh, the one that you're looking for is this right here, the Bad Crypto Nifty Club for $2.21, which is 0.002 ETH. Pick that up and then you get access to our other NFTs as well. And that'd be fun for you guys to have. And I'd say keep an eye on that space because there's going to be some new stuff that's going to be popping up in that as Bad Crypto community grows into a collective as we're working with those guys at uncut hopefully they're able to deliver on some of the things that they're talking about if so that space could get a lot cooler and we'll be able to do a lot more fun stuff over there so we've also been checking the inbox of our voicemail and have downloaded a bunch of voicemails which we're going to be playing in an upcoming episode if you want to be in that fan show then call us and leave us a voicemail take down this number of the bad crypto hotline 708 885-9030, 708-885-9030. And if you didn't write it down there, hit the the rewind thing on your Spotify or iTunes. It goes back 15 seconds and you can hear it again. Leave us a voicemail. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you don't like. Tell us a corn joke. Tell us to stay bad. Whatever it is you want to do, ask us a question. Give us feedback. 708-885-9030. And maybe you will make it in for your big moment on a future episode of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Won't that be fun? There you go. Your moment, your moment in the sun. I, you know what? We really appreciate you tuning in. You know, leave a review if you can, if you haven't already, because you know, the algorithms love the reviews, and so do we, especially when they're funny. So if they're four stars, five stars, you know, ten keep stars, them high. 80 yeah, stars. 10 stars. It's all I good. Mean, as long as you uh, review and as long as you stay back. Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of bitcoins and all alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Have you seen Junior's grades? <laughs> so the good. Will rock. So good. I remember hearing those songs when they were new because I was listening to to AM uh, to FM radio when that. I remember when Van Halen first came out. I'm like, what? What is this? Rocks. And then you would just look forward. Van Halen's got a new album. You'd hear. And I got to tell you, when Jump came out, 
I was not impressed. I thought, oh, they're going synth like everybody else in the 80s. And mm-hmm. jump is not jump is fun, but it doesn't rock the way earlier stuff does. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that was just him getting a little Hollywood. They yeah. started thinking about what can we do for our videos? What can we do to uh, to to remain relevant? And think about it. You know, that's they've been doing it for a while then. Like, you don't you're not guaranteed to have a super long career anytime you're long. But they were launching one. What I loved about it, and there's a really good documentary on uh, Amazon Prime about Van Halen. It talks about those early years. So Van Halen got together in like 71 or 72, and they were just playing backyards and, you know, doing stuff on the Hollywood Strip and stuff for a long time. And then actually um, uh, Gene Simmons of Kiss was going to sign them, and they put together a record and uh, demo, and he took it to New York, and they didn't like it. Whoever he took it to didn't like Van Halen, and so, sorry, he didn't. they didn't get signed. But then later they got signed, and their whole album – that Van Halen one is just spectacular. If you've never heard it before, put it on Spotify or on uh, on your YouTube. Put your headphones on and just listen to that album for the first time. It'll blow you away. It's such a great debut album. Eddie Van Halen, rest in peace. You are officially unchained. 